I don't know. So we'll see if Tony gets back. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it's a surface called Pickle Roll, and it it was good. I think it'd be really good on a hard surface. But that New York Stock Exchange boardroom is a carpeted room, and they did a time lapse video of it for the people in the room that showed how Pickle Roll set it up, laid it out, and they were all like the only Pickle Roll I had seen before was like a single piece that was rolled up like a carpet. This was more yeah. of like little box, like little like square pieces that were all connected, almost like a big puzzle. Um, so there, so there were creases on the court, right, where the pieces connected, but right, um, but not terrible. No, I mean on the so underneath the actual court surface that you saw, there they put like some wood, I believe I saw, but. With it being on the carpet, the ball definitely didn't bounce. It was just like like if I held the ball up from my head and just dropped it, it'd probably come up just like to my shins. It wouldn't come up very high. So, but it was. I mean, how else are you gonna play a pickleball match in the New York Stock Exchange boardroom? So I'll take it. Yeah. Right, dude. That looked. It was insane. It was like some sort of like castle in england it looked like from in the inside it was like what is happening yeah. where are they what's going on that surface looks like they put a court in there looks like legit so that was yeah. i mean it sounded cool it was like echoing too. Yeah. it was like an amphitheater in there <laughs> no it's it was super cool yeah what it reminded me of was like when i do like museum tours in europe it was like that feel and even the even the trading floor um had the same kind of feel like if you look at the like the roof like it's all super intricate and old and what a beautiful building and what a treat to actually be able to go in there and play a pickleball match. So cool. Yeah. Like yeah. I didn't have much expectations I mean, that's going a... in, but it was, it was a really, really unique and cool experience that I'll never forget. Like, I just thought, yeah, you know, right. I went in like not really knowing what we were doing. It was like an exhibition on the boardroom floor. I didn't know what the boardroom looked like. Got there. I was like, Oh, <laughs> Oh, this is going to be epic. Is it bigger? Is it bigger than it's portrayed on like movies or in any sort of visuals we get? Smaller? What did you feel like when you're out there ringing the bell? Like, was that room no, bigger it, than? No, it, it felt accurate to like what we typically see, like yeah. in movies and whatnot. Like it was, it's a it's a decent sized space. Um, it's different, right? Like you look at the old movies, like Wolf of Wall Street and stuff like that, and you see like you know people going nuts on the trading room floor, arms flying, like all that. And it's not like that, right? Like you have your different pods of traders and brokers. Um, but it's pretty chill down there. That's rad. That's so cool. That's an iconic moment too. I mean, that's something. Pickleball that... at the New York Stock Exchange. What? what? Dude. <laughs> right? What People good visibility like, is Yeah, it's the fastest thing. growing sport. And then that happens and everyone's like, okay, this is, it's, this is legit. This is real. Yeah. It's so sick. We got That's some good rad. footage around the around the around Wall Street and the stock exchange. Like outside, we played we played some points outside on the cobblestone streets, which was kind of cool. Right outside it, so uh, yeah. yeah, there's there's a decent media crew there. I know you wanted me to get a get media person there too, filming stuff for for the pod. Oh. But, uh, there was so much. There was so there'll be so much footage that we can kind of use what we need. But it was yeah, it was yeah a- awesome just the brief footage already shared from whoever's holding the phone and, you know, random content being shared already. It was just, it was so cool. Really rad. It's insane that pickleball is, I mean, (laughs) I didn't even know what pickleball was like a year and a half ago, dude. I like saw some 
like old people would roll into sports academy and set up like indoor courts but they would bring like i think i've even mentioned before they bring like a whole like it was like a potluck dude everyone like brought their own food and i'm like oh this is adorable look at this oh that's cute you know and then i went back to playing yeah. volleyball it was like no idea and to have it go from where i had no idea and it had even been around to like where the tours are at what's going on with this sports illustrate article with you know, the stock exchange and you guys being able to play inside the building. Like, it's insane how fast it's going. It's crazy. No, it's crazy. it is wild. And uh, let's talk, <laughs> you mentioned Sports Illustrated article, and I'm pretty sure everybody knows what that is. Um, I was talking to a guy, Adam Lovick, this morning from 1.37 p.m., which is um, kind of a media arm of one of Gary Vee's um, properties, I believe. Like, I know he's affiliated. I think, I think, Gallery Media Group owns 1:37 p.m. and I think they handle the Gary Vee Audio Experience, which is his podcast. Um, so they're 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 tied pretty closely. Um, yeah. But talking, to, yeah, just talking to Adam this morning. Where was I going with that? I was trying to find the connection, and then I just totally lost it <laughs> in my face. Sorry, I'm like pretty ADHD today. Like I'm I'm all over. The well, place. you're healthy, kind of healthy, so you're kind of not, excited I'm, to be able I'm to not move healthy. around. If so I showed you the pictures like, of what's going on behind the scenes with my health, you would not be impressed. <laughs> You'd be disgusted. It was Which like is super a Wolf of Wall but... Street scene, uh, the Wolf of Wall Street scene of pickleball, but <laughs> movie, it would be Hollywood version of, of what's going on behind the scenes. Just terrible, awful, painful. What were we just talking about? <laughs> uh, I was talking I just about the totally got distracted. And, yeah, where it's gone. Uh, the amount of growth it's had just even the last, like, I'd say year and a half, 18 months has been incredible. Um, and just like, kind of like the marketing and eyeballs and the, the amount of, uh, you know, media that we're seeing versus even a year ago or six months ago, it's just going quick. And so you're referencing 1.37 PM because they do like either articles attached to Gary V and they're kind of probably maybe, I'm guessing you were getting to the point where they were talking about maybe the stock exchange or the growth of uh, the sport or the article that came out with sports illustrated. And oh, how that was kind that. of like tied to a lot of things. That. Yes. Nailed it. I knew it was that. You, you did it. You brought my crazy brain <laughs> back to reality. All right. So yeah, I was talking to Adam Lovick who, who works for one thirty-seven PM and we were talking like the sports illustrated article came up and you know, NML, um, the dink, all these people are like, yeah, wildly entertaining, but like not super, like well-researched, but not like super accurate on a lot of things. And um, Adam, which he doesn't know pickleball super well yet. Like he's getting more immersed into like what's happening and all that. But honestly, like I didn't really think about it like this, but like it, like it's Sports Illustrated. It's a big deal. Um, outside yeah. of like the, the nitty gritty of the, the details and like what they got right and what they got wrong. Does it really matter? Not really. Um, even the title is so good. Barbarians in the kitchen. Come on, come on. Is it everyone pickleball. reaching for the paddle. <laughs> it's so yeah, good. It's, right. It's, it's, it's the publicity, good or bad. It's publicity and it's on some of the biggest platforms in sports. It's all good. Yeah. And then this happening right after that, like day two, now you guys are at the stock exchange. It's like, you haven't heard pickleball. You're living under a rock at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Even the even the commissioner at the New York Stock Exchange, um, he plays. Like, not only does he play, but like he started playing April 2020. 
when the pandemic started and he was in, you know, kind of upstate New York with his family kind of hold up. And he's like, we got to get, we got to stop uh, playing board games. We got to get outside and do something. So he, uh, yes. he, he got a court built. So it's just, and that's like a story that you hear all the time of how crazy it's just like random people, like even on the stock exchange floor, um, just a couple random guys came up and he was like, can we get a picture? My wife loves pickleball. She plays every day. Like you had yeah. a New York accent. It was just so good. And it's just like, it's catching on like wildfire and it's, yeah, it's not slowing down and it's only going to like, and I think it's still so early. Um, it's going to be really agree. interesting to see where we're at in five years. Yeah. Because the biggest difference that's going to happen is, uh, prize money will start to increase. I feel like that's the number one thing that will yeah. change because what if, you know, with whatever, whoever is holding events or whatever tour, like a big part of it is do the players like playing there? Like MLP, I, I haven't heard one bad thing from any player be like, oh, I hate it. It was terrible. Yeah, It was like the most entertaining for the players and the fans. And so, I mean, it comes down to giving the best uh, – giving the best environment slash experience for the players and viewers. And then also like having it be more and more of a professional sport where you can make a living just playing the sport. Like once it gets yeah. to that point where that's it, I mean, for the majority, not just the 2% or 1% of the players, like that's where it really changed. That's where it just, it takes off. Cause I mean, yeah, if there's money involved, it's like if you build it, they will come, kind of a thing. And I think it's so that, funny. You, it's so you funny know. you say that. Um, like at the stock exchange this morning, like they were talking about. They're sorry, I'm getting, just getting very comfortable here. <laughs> they were the commissioner who built that court in his backyard. Um, played a little clip, and he's like, "This is this is really what Steve Coon's doing." And then you know, lights dim, and then the clip with Kevin Costner, "Field of Dreams." Um, and hit him in the cornfields and the whisper of like, if you build it, they will come. Like, it's very, it, you're like nailed it. Like, it's exactly what's happening. Like, uh, yeah. it's, it's so cool. And it's, what a cool it's crazy time because, to be a part of the sport. Right, dude, especially, especially a great time to be like a pro or someone right on the cusp and having all these opportunities and then having like, now you have an opportunity to be like a club pro somewhere at a course or a facility and then also be able to train there as well. It's like the best of both worlds, which, I mean, that's what tennis pros do, right? They can go and train, run private lessons, camps, clinics, and then go off on tour. Like that's it's a, the opportunity there is it's insane. And the networking ability is, especially yeah. with pickleball, it's just viral. And so like Pickle, yeah, and speaking it's, of it's wealthy people, celebrities, like pickleball like it's yeah. it's like more than any other sport like it's baffling but i think it does come back to the fact that pickleball is unique in the respect that anybody that goes out there and plays kind of a couple times like everybody thinks they're better than they are like you always talk about this like oh you play pickleball and you're like oh my i could like i could be amazing at the sport like because you hit one good shot and you're like i got right. this. it's very similar yeah. to like it's a dipping in, in the respect to like, I think golf's a good analogy where you go out and you're, you know, you're shooting 110, but you lace that one drive down the fairway, smoke exactly. it, smoke it 280, 300. And you're like, I'm, I'm really good at this sport. <laughs> I could do this. All you have to do is that. Exactly. 
right. I just got to train more and do that more often. And hundred percent is that you hit one or two good shots and you're like, yeah, you know, how'd it go today? Oh, you know, just played way better. Had a couple sick shots, you know, basically dialing in my drive. You know, that's exactly what it is. And it just hooks you for, for so much longer. And then you're like, dude, I'm so good. And then you go play somebody that's been playing for a month longer and they destroy you. And you're like, Oh, okay. I get it. <laughs> or even a yeah. pro where, you know, they're driving three times faster than you've ever seen someone drive a ball. And you're like, wait, I thought you were supposed to hit a third. It's like, no, dude, these guys are hitting drives from eight inches off the ground faster than you could throw that ball. Like, and it's landing in. So yeah. you're not even close to being pro. So stop saying you want to go pro. Like you got to know <laughs> what you're facing until you can even say like, yeah, bro, I want to go pro. It's like anyone can say that. And it goes back to like our, my world where it's like, Oh yeah, bro. Like hashtag 2016 Olympics, like road to Rio, like everyone was doing it. And I was like, listen, just because you want to go be an Olympian and you want to go be a top pro and win events doesn't mean you get to like say that you're in the club and try to get sponsored. It's, you have no idea. You're just, so we always giggle and like laugh at those people. You're like, bro, you're not even in the qualifier and you're saying you're going to go pro. Like talk to me when you have some upset matches and you're in the main draw and still it's hard. <laughs> it's crazy. hundred percent. And as pickleball grows, you're just going to see more and more of that. Um, Oh, but the, but the beauty is the yeah. beauty is like there's you can enter tournaments you could start pickleball enter tournaments and go prove yourself right away right, right? like yeah, yeah. it's out there for taking a, right and that's what's great is yeah you've got this like ladder of a gauge on how you can rank yourself and, and see where you're at you know and then the whole like duper thing as well or d-u-p-r do you say duper or do you say d-u-p-r because i've when they explain it, they're like, D-U-P-R. It's not like one guess. word. I think it's D-U-P-R. I say duper. Ah, I mean, that's what I say. But I say, when I watched the video, they said D-U-P-R. I was like, okay, I, I'm I'm lost now. Like, I'm saying it yeah, wrong maybe, the whole time. Yeah, maybe, I mean, it's, yeah. It's like Colorado, um, Colorado. <laughs> I do like that they changed it uh, to the dynamic universal pickleball rating rather than the dreamland. I think dynamic. Um, yeah, it's more is a better representation and will will last over a longer period of time in terms of For sure. Yeah. People will be confused with dreamland. So dynamics perfect. So love, love what yeah. they're doing there. And they just partnered with world pickleball association or what was it called? Uh, w don't ask me questions. Um, I don't have the answer to, uh, maybe, oh, w, I just said maybe WPF. Yeah. Yeah. They just kind of like, yeah, they're kind of like collaborating with each other so that they're all using that universal point system, like one more yeah. phase of certification in a sense where it's just legitimizes it even more. So if there's a bigger world tour eventually, that's huge. And then, so that goes back to the name change being perfect because yeah. now we've got this universal reference versus like Dreamland, what's that? You know, yeah, that's huge. And what I think is really cool, um, specifically with Duper, is because this is what I was looking for and wondering if it was going to happen. And it's happening. And that is like, I'm, I'm on like a Maui Facebook pickleball group and I see people like people post there when they're coming in to visit and people are like, when they're referencing like their rating and trying to find a group to play with, they're referencing their duper. They're not referencing their, uh, whatever the other USA pickleball one is. So it's, like, yeah. it's, it's happening. Like it is coming and people are using it. And anytime, like I hear people referencing their duper way more than their other rating now. So it's only a matter of time. That's basically, <laughs> it's funny you say that because the last two times I've played, um, 
that's all we did was okay everyone's allowed three we did the first three games were warm-ups and then as soon as that was over we do a round robin and every game is logged in a duper and you have to verify it yeah it's Dude, awesome and this and is that's it was one of the biggest critiques at the beginning of of the system is like and of course they're pulling in stuff from pickleballtournaments.com but like people looked at it as as you being able to log your own games as a negative thing oh you can just you can just you know play the system and i think most people are inherently good people like and they want to know their true rating because it's been such a mess for so long so i yeah. never really saw that as being an issue like what a cool way to actually continue to like get more data in there build your rating see actual progress of where you're at and how you stack up with your friends and local community sure. um yeah so i love the fact that you're you're doing that and i'm um uh, yeah i hear so many people just log their own duper games which epic i mean dude it's a currency and i mean in order it I love because I get I would get bored playing in my sport. I don't like to say it out loud anymore because I, I know I upset people. But in mine, yeah. we I would put money on the line at practice because I would be getting I got to the point where I was getting bored. Yeah. Even against players that were like really good, it was just like, dude, I need something to get me to be more like part I'm of focus in the tournament. Yeah, dude, I, I I just don't care. I'm like, dude, yeah. because if I'm not playing well, I'm like, whatever, dude. When I'm playing a tournament, it's like a a, a switch is flipped and I'm a different player. Like, you're different I'm unstoppable. Dude, yeah, like, or, or I feel unstoppable. And I love the, I don't get stressed. I love the crowd. I love the, like all of the things being yelled. I, that's where I'm most comfortable. So yep. it's like Duper adds one more layer of like, all right, we got to put this on the line. And you'll be surprised at how different people play when there's just their Duper ranking on the line. You're like, bro, totally. the dude just completely fell apart. Where when we're practicing and it doesn't matter, he's on, he's like lights out. And then as soon as we're like, all right, Duper's on the line. You're like, uh, dude, you need to get some tournament experience because you were uh, just the chaos and stress. Like you had no idea. Like he was just rattled. Well, it's also it's also a, a substitute for tournament experience. Like playing pressure matches, it's really hard to find pressure oh, matches dude. unless you're at a tournament. I love it. So save you know you can save some of the money and the costs of traveling to a tournament and the entry fees and and play duper matches and feel feel the pressure because it's so true. Like I, yeah. Yeah. groups I have in Hawaii like. You know, they had like an unsanctioned tournament come in and they're, it was everybody's first tournament that they played. And they're like, it's so much different. Like I use so much more energy and like everything. It's just different. Emotions just start writing. Everyone's just like, ah, throwing paddles, smashing stuff. It's like, dude. That yeah. It's like you have these now, really successful. Now you're like identities on the line. <laughs> you have these really successful people that like, and this was the first, this like this happened to me when I played my first uh, match in pickleball. Like when I played my first tournament. I was like, I've got nerves. I've got butterflies. I haven't had this feeling <laughs> yes. in so long. Like, yes. it, so I was like, good. why am I so nervous? It's pickleball. <laughs> but, like, you can't replicate that feeling, really. It was cool. Yeah. And that's what I, I love, love about it, it now. You... It's like it keeps the adrenaline. Yeah. Feel alive. I, dude, uh, that's – and that's the thing is that I think that's why people are so attached to it so quickly, too, is just the sport in general and then be able to have – applications like duper is that oh i haven't competed for so long or oh I, yeah i used to compete or i have you know what i mean or i just or i miss it um it fulfills that void like when i'm not able to play during the off season um pickleball fills the void of like competition and like training and structure and keeping my mind where i want it to be as far as like focusing and dialing in and fine-tuning things like it's so good and so i think that 
you know, that's, that also just gets better and better for, for people. And I think that's why the entry is so exciting. Once you like hit those one or two shots, like the, the drive in golf, it's like, all right, cool. Now I remember what it's like to feel those feelings and those emotions and compete. And that's, that's where everyone's like, Whoa, dude, this is like, I feel like I'm in high school again. I like, I have all my youth back and I can go like compete at something and have a chance to like get better. Oh, I love it. And just see like seeing like after like a group of kind of new players have like a, like a good point, like a hand battle, like to see people's faces after they finish that is so cool. Like they're all, they're all hooked immediately. Right. I feel like, like getting into like a quick hands battle, even if you're like kind of new, like there's so much adrenaline pumping, like, cause the ball's coming so fast and there's no other sport really where that's happening. And uh, yeah. especially with four people. So yeah, it's just cool to watch people like just smile and like find joy yeah. in that and then get hooked to the sport and, like once that happens, like you're you're done, you're in, you're playing yeah, for a long time. It's game over, right? And then they're adding like these facilities, like these spots in like Provo, Utah. They're adding like forty-five courts, yeah. forty-five courts outdoor in a place in a state that it snows. It's like okay, I saw the plans for how they're going to build out the park with like soccer fields and all this kind of stuff, and you know they're they're putting in between forty-five and fifty courts, and they're doing this fundraiser on June second to raise money. Uh, to support it because it's like this land that's dedicated and it has to become something that's sports specific right near the airport in Provo. It's funny because BYU, where I went to college, is like right there. So there's like this really cool like frame of reference for me. I'm like, no way. I remember that. I know that spot, you know, Um, you know, and then of course, even in the sports illustrator magazine, uh, the the Torquerville courts, like they're adding like, what is it? 50 courts or something like that there as well. It's like, it's insane. Um, But to have facilities like that, all over it. And then also I heard they're going to be putting in or adding 10 more to that St. George location, oh, uh, little Valley park, little Valley. Yeah. I mean, dude, they're just, it's just exploding. Utah's Crazy. wild. Yeah. I'm it's, at, I'm actually staying with the, with a couple that runs NYC pickleball. And I was just talking to, I was just talking to her and she was like, she's like, I don't know how pickleball is not blowing up in New York city more than it is. She was like, in 2021, we were looking at domains and, um nycpickleball.com was available somehow in 2021 she was like i checked la pickleball chicago pickleball they were all taken but nyc pickleball open and there's just no permanent courts here like i played yesterday hit some balls um with a guy named matt and uh in stytown which is a little area close to the east village here and um all they had was three courts that used to be pop tennis uh, similar size court but they had pop tennis has a lower net. So what they had was they had that lower net still on there, but you would bring in a temporary net. So you'd have the temporary net would go a little higher than the permanent net. So you'd have like these right. two, you'd have like these two nets and it was really trippy to, to see it. And there were two lines at the back. Um, maybe the pop tennis course a little longer. So they had two lines pretty close to the back. Um, and that's all they have here in New York. Like that's, that's as good as that's it gets, which is, which is wild. Um, so there's a big need here for, and you know, it's New York city, real estate's, real estate's not easy to come by. Right. And it's super expensive. Um, and, but there's a big need even outside of the city, you know, Manhattan proper, like you have Queens, Brooklyn, all these places that have a bit more space, but there's just not much here yet. So they're looking yeah. at, you know, growing the sport around here. Um, maybe even like getting some courts built out. So 
it's cool. Like it's just it's crazy how the Northeast specifically has really been lacking, um, and I think weather's a big part of it, right? Like, I uh, you know I know there's some facilities on Long Island now, which is good, but um, New York City pickleball on the come up. Dude, I can't imagine like in the summer how epic those courts would be. It would just be like full nonstop, just because I know that we've found like little gems of courts all randomly throughout the city, and they're just like there's this like energy and local community that evolves around it that i didn't yeah. even know about and then we'd be like whoa this is rad and so anytime we play in new york we always go straight to those courts and meet all the like see all the people again it's just crazy how yeah. much culture is built around that and especially pickleball they have so much space and there's so many tennis courts and you could always put in temps everywhere like that would really like add a lot of value to that especially with when they have summer it's like we got to get outside because the winter's cold <laughs> yep dude i think it's such a good point like i think participation in pickleball i think the numbers are wildly underestimated like there's like i, I just come across so many pockets of like there's 50 people here this morning like and that's every yeah. morning and how many people have courts at their house now and like i think yeah yeah i think it's wildly underestimated how how big pickleball is already so the, the construction company that I like, I kind of started like a beach volleyball court construction company called Beach Court USA, but the, the, the construction side is partnered with like uh, these a local company, uh, Sport West out of um, Simi Valley. Anyway, so he's the owner of that's on the board for all of the pickleball stuff and, and the construction throughout the, the US, right? And so far as sports. Because he has associated with sport court, Gere floor, they build basketball courts, like the flooring, like the European uh, courts inside for volleyball and for basketball, stuff like that. So he's like on the pulse of everything. And he's like, we've built more pickleball courts in the last year than anything else. Yeah. Pickleball. I believe, Nothing. And, I, believe. I mean, and they're, they build basketball courts and sport courts and like they're doing everything. But he's like pickleball drastically outnumbers as of this year, anything else. So it's like it's. I would agree with you that it's the numbers aren't correct because just just courts in backyards of houses alone. Yeah. Be, like I'm curious how many actually they are. There's probably so many more than we we even could comprehend. I would agree. What do we want to cover today, man? I feel like yeah, dude. I got I got a few things. I got a few things that I I think are very pertinent to listeners who are trying to get better. As far Love as it. like, aside from like news of what's going on and like what we think about the game, I think um, what I've learned over the years, and I'm sure you had uh, like access to this types of things too, but when I'm training and, and lifting, we have kind of these peaks and valleys, right? Where we're kind of trying to peak during, let's say masters, or I want to peak during the San Clemente PPA. You know, like I want to make sure that specific events that I know are either once they are become like weighted more than others. Yep. I want to make sure I'm peaking. Like for us, it was always world champs, the grand slams, and then the Olympics. Like that's, and we had this graph that we had a, you know, the whole thing on when we were going to be kind of fatigued and sore. And then other times where we're going to feel really good. Anyways, you've probably gone through that stuff too, or, or everyone kind of comprehends what they think it should be. And yep. so I think when I watch people warm up for pickleball, I, I feel like it might be the most dangerous thing I've ever seen because nobody besides pros are really getting warm. Like not even like a, like a hot lap around the court, not even like a baby jog. And yeah. so for me, I was talking to 
the doctors in-house at Sports Academy. And they're like, yeah, we've actually seen more pickleball injuries lately than anything else yep. for any other sport. And I'm like, well, there's a big, there's a big, and I think there's a gap between athletes that are training and currently training and then go to, to drill and play a sport versus someone yeah. who hasn't done anything. And now they're addicted and playing two to three times a day. Like I did when I first started, but I was already training, but they don't yeah. have that, like that, that like slow kind of like, like peek into being able to play a lot, right. Their bodies aren't ready. So they just go right into yeah. it. And then no one's stretching after because they're going straight to work. So I yeah. think that like, I think a topic is super important is like a, a warm up. And then, you know, being able to do your own types of recovery at home that help you yeah. um, keep from getting injured. Because I think that's that's the next thing that's going to happen more and more is people just going too hard and injuring themselves and not doing all the things. Cause, because personally for yeah. me, I would put three hours probably a day on prehab and then therapy after. Like building yeah. up to practice and then suffer after. And seeing a physio every day, having like a massage therapist or a chiro or just learning how to do it myself on days I didn't have that. I mean, it's like a full time. Dude, I remember like rolling out on the floor, like sweating. I'm like, dude, what am I doing? I'm so exhausted already. But if I don't do that, I can't go the next day and play. Yep. So yep, I, think, yep. I think, what do you guys want us to put together? I think it'd be cool for Rob and I to kind of throw together like what he does as a warm up. I incorporate some things that I've done over the past because it's a lot of the similar things like getting the glutes activated, getting, you know, everything, the core dialed so that my balance is on, my hand-eye coordination, you know, yep. doing my whole like making sure my neuromuscular system is like dialed in, my hand-eye, you know, all those things. There's so many things that are important. And then I think also, so that's what, that's the first question is what do you, we want to put together a program. What do you guys want? Do you want a warm up, a cool down therapy? Like we'll, we'll build it all out, but I'd be interested to hear what you guys are looking for and specific injuries. Cause I think there's a very common theme with a lot of injuries for people. I would guess that there's like two or three what things that happen for everybody. So, I mean, joints are always an issue, right? So if my knees are hurting, it's because I'm overusing my quads, which means my hamstrings and my glutes aren't activating when I'm playing. And so I'm overusing them, right? It's the run and stop, run yeah. and stop of the kitchen line. So I'm constantly putting like a jolting pressure on my quads, hip flexors. And so then they get really tight, right? And so then it starts to recruit other things like my TFL that helps if my glutes aren't activated, right? My TFL takes over and that controls lateral movement, right? And then that actually creates a huge problem for my quad right along my IT band, but it feels like my IT band. And so people are going to be wasting a lot of time going to doctors that have no, like, oh yeah, go to this there. You know, you're just wasting money running around. I, we could pinpoint things that happen that I think yeah. are happening all the time. Calves, of course, your soleus is like, has probably the most tension. Your lower calf has probably the yeah. most force put on it than any muscle in the body connected yeah. directly to your Achilles tendon. Like if I, we're not running of, out. I see a lot of Achilles issues. Yeah. I think those types of things. And there's, there's like, you know, a list of 10 things that you would do before every game or practice that could keep you. And of course, from, and of course people can't do, you know, the, the prehab, like you mentioned, um, right. Cause they're not a full-time athlete. Right. But there, there's definitely things that you could do before you play that would take no more than 10 to 15 minutes, which if you want to stay in the pickleball court, you should do it. Um, otherwise you're going to be in the pickleball court and you're going to pull something and then you're going to be out. So it's as simple as that 10 to 15 minutes before do the, do the yeah. dynamic warm up, 
play, a little cool down stretch, like something simple like that, something everybody can do. Even though I know you want to play as much pickleball as possible, you're going to play one more game. We always say, <laughs> I'll do one more. Um, yeah. But this stuff, I mean, it's a very good point, Casey. All of it's really, really important. Like, and that's coming from somebody that, you know, when, when I first came into pickleball, I, exactly like you said, I basically just overused over like my my knees gave out my left knee tore my meniscus because i thought i was still 21 turns out i wasn't <laughs> yeah. i thought i could still do all the same things that i that i used to do and i didn't know like mentally how to how to slow down if that makes sense like like it was a lot yeah. of, like the last time i competed in anything had been over a decade so like when i got back out on the court it was just like i only have one speed i don't know how to stop or slow down and I definitely didn't take care of my body like I should have because um that would have happened otherwise yeah I do I yeah because your mind goes oh yeah I'm still 12 again because or uh, 10 years ago this is how I competed yeah and now I'm older I, I can still be there but I haven't prepped my body to get to that point I just go right it's it's uh, totally true. and I also like to do you know when you everybody racks up and they throw their paddles in and then they just go sit down and talk I'm like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, this is like the worst thing. So like, I don't ever sit down. I do push-ups and squats, and then yep. I put a band around my knee until it's my turn again, so that I just stay hot. And I think it would be really important. Or you could, you guys, I would love everybody to try that, even if it's just something to stay warm versus just sit down. You can still yeah. talk, but keep the body moving, keep it warm, because you're just basically putting yourself on ice and then ready to just go back and play like you thought you were when you were warm it's, it's a really good tip it's a really good tip i definitely don't do that i definitely sit down <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, but you thank you, you for sharing but this you train me. yeah you train i feel like drilling is different because you stay warm the whole time and then yeah, like yeah, playing yeah. just for fun which you probably haven't done like a rec paddle up in probably years because no, no ever i've i've done <laughs> i i probably don't ever do that anymore where i used to all the time yeah um and so for me, it's like, oh, that void of playing in between was just the worst. Um, but I also, when you train, how long do you train? I'm curious. Like, let's say you're doing out for like a practice day. What's, what's yeah. the amount of time you usually drill for? Uh, drilling an hour and a half to two hours. Yeah. You get so, sometimes an hour. You just get so many more reps drilling that um, yeah. you, don't, you don't need a ton more than that. And if you really want to wear yourself out, there's plenty of ways to do that. Um, so you can get a lot in in a short amount of time. Yeah, I agree. Ours were always like a 90 minute cycle with like a 30 minute warm up, 30 minute cool down, but always that 90 minutes, like the, it's like the happy place for our mind and body to learn and progress. I'm just yeah. curious if it was the same. Pickleball is tricky pickleball, though, I feel like you I know? Could pay longer. Yeah. It's super tricky because you, like for a drilling session, right? Like you get to the courts, you're like, I'm going to spend the first probably 30 minutes dinking, which, you know, if you're a casual player, you're just thinking, I'm just standing there, you know, a little bit of an right. athletic stance, a little bit of a, but you're not like, you're not sprinting side to side. You're not. So like, I feel like people are like, I'm not going to be moving that much. Right. Why do I need to go through this whole 10 to 15 minute uh, warm up when I'm just literally standing there hitting dinks over the net? To somebody right in front of me, but I don't. I think people downplay how many muscles and like how many of their joints are being used. Like if you're doing, if you're drilling properly, you're almost in like a squat stance, you know, a lot of the time. 
and you're moving side to side, your hip flexors are going to get tight. Like there's, yeah, but I think, I guess my point is that it's easy to, it's easy to disregard how much you're actually working when you're drilling. Cause it doesn't seem like, yeah. like from somebody just watching, you're like, oh, they're not moving that much. Why do they need to like really have this big warm up before? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the, I think that's the downfall of the sport is that people go, oh yeah, I just start with some dinks over the net. And it's like, yeah, but you go from like, you know, you hit 10 dinks, hit a couple thirds, maybe mid court resets, and then you're full out playing and sprinting for a ball. that's like someone yeah. like blocks short. <laughs> so you go from zero to full, full speed. It's like, dude, this is so, it's so crazy. So dangerous. <laughs> but, so I guess that, that was kind of one of the things I wanted to like yep. mention was, I want to share through our uh, Freestyle Boys Instagram. I'm going to put together some, some, uh, some stories that you guys can share slash, you know, screenshot or even send you guys a, a photo if you ask for it um, of just like a dynamic warm up and some cool down stuff and then minor therapy things that kind of help the knees stay good and the ankles and and the back. Um, just things that you know Rob and I have done over the years of of, of playing. So I think. Don't, That'd be cool. Don't, give guys. Don't, don't give me too much yeah. credit. I'm over here tearing the meniscus. <laughs> well, things that oh. like Casey's done over the years that Rob's oh. inspired. I'll the be honest. I like, talk this... about is... Go ahead. No, I just because when I first started playing on the world tour, like my body, I was just the guy that went to the beach all day and just played nonstop. So I was like, yeah. I'll get more reps. So that's how I did it. Then I got to the weight room where I had a real strength coach, and he's like, Bro, you're like a little kid. Like you're basically as frail as ever because I was just like a beach rat. I didn't put the time yeah. in, in the weight room to build up what I called like my armor to last through the season. And so yeah. it was a big change for me. And I learned that I had a lot of imbalances and there was a reason my knees and things were hurting so much. And minor things over a long period of time really helped me feel better. And I always played better when I was, when I felt good because I was happy and I was able to like be me versus like just a lingering injury all the time and just dealing with it. It's just not fun. And I didn't have no. as much fun. So there's yeah. just little things that help you so much. I love it. Yeah. I was going to say oh. this topic is important, but it's super boring to me. Like I'm doing so my boring. best to stay, to stay mentally yeah. engaged. You're like, yeah, like, cool, I'm, dude. I'm, I care. No, but, but it, it's important, yeah. but it's really hard for me to focus during the, <laughs> during the yeah. segment. Yeah. But no, yeah. everything everything that you said is super important and 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 it matters. Like I just think as, warming up. Yeah. It's like the like recycle. Like everybody's like, yeah, we know it's important, but it's not the <laughs> funnest thing to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> totally. But totally. I, but things that are fun are drills that okay, here's the scenario. Hit me. I'm playing at the duper game, so there's a lot on the line here. And yep. I'm getting to the point where I'm I see people speed up like very easily now, at least at the point of the level I'm playing where guys aren't yep. like, they're not breaking my ankles. I'm staying super calm. I'm chill. I'm letting the ball travel so that I have a lot of room still left in my arm to redirect it when I block, not just block it, but like throw it over here and backspin, yep. topspin, or, or, or just dart it down to their feet because I have such a high trajectory. I can get it down pretty easily. Yep. Problem is I get into a rhythm where now I'm trying to block everything because it's, it's getting to the point where I see it and I'm like, oh, I'm ready. And I just, I just want to absolutely like redirect and block that back fast. The problem is I'm not very good at letting balls go. And I'd say this is probably a common thing for a lot of people is you get into that rhythm where you see it and you just go for everything. And then being able to turn the switch off and let it go out is like maybe one of the hardest things. What, what did you do to train that and to let things go when you're in those battles? 
honestly, it's, it is practice, right? Like that's something you can, you can intentionally practice, have like, have like be dinking straight on with somebody, right? So you have to be really soft because you're going over the high part of the net. And then if you leave a ball up, let's say we're doing it, you leave a ball up to me, I'm going to try to attack either out of the air or off the bounce. And you have to, like, you have to determine based on the trajectory of the ball and the speed and my swing and how big it is, um, whether to let it go or not. And you're not going to get it right every time, but like, that's a really easy way to train it. Um, and also like another scenario where that happens a lot is you can have, we can have me, I'll be at the baseline. You'll be at the kitchen line. You're just hitting balls to me. Um, and I can mix it up. I'll drop some, I'll drive some. You have to gauge whether the drive's going in or not. And then, right. you know, you let some go, you play some, I know if I'm hitting it, whether it's going in or not. So, you know, hopefully if you're playing with somebody that knows whether the drive is going in based on the way it felt, they can, and you hit yeah. one, you can, they can be like, that, that was hitting the fence. Um, but you could be, yeah, you could be very intentional on how to, on how to work on that. But it is a lot of reps, to be honest. Like it, the more reps you get, the, the more you see it. It's a, it's yeah. definitely a rep thing. So the more you play um, and just next time you go play, maybe not a duper game, <laughs> just, uh, <laughs> just let some go. Yeah. I could always anybody say if I anybody back... attacking off the bounce, at, especially at the level you're at right now, you know, when you get to pro guys are able to kind of whip more spin on it. Right. And it yeah, could clear, yeah. it could clear you at your shoulders. Maybe not your shoulders, maybe your, maybe your nipples or your rib cage which is still pretty high, but that ball is still going in. Um, but at your level, I feel like if a guy is taking it off the bounce with a medium sized swing, it's probably going out. Yeah. So you could start yeah, there. Like I would... If somebody's attacking off the bounce, just let those go and see if, see where they're ending up. Especially, I would say that the, probably the most common one that I'm not letting go is like a guy drives from the end line. I block it and then it's like mid court. And then he does the same drive again. But I'm like, you're like locked in to just like, I'm the wall. I would almost guarantee that like 99% of those are out, but I'm like just hitting them because I'm like, it's almost yeah. like I want to like be like, screw you, bro. You're, you're weak. And I just want to hit it anyway. Versus yeah. just like, let it go. And that's probably, that's a way better scenario. But I would say, yeah, at the level between, you know, creeping up, trying to get to 5-0, I think a lot of those people, that mid-court alpha block, that one's for sure out. And I think being yeah. able to let that go has been hard for me. You know it's I mean? a good point. So it's like if, um, like, let's say I'm serving to you, you hit kind of a weakish return that lands kind of soft at the midcourt, but it's also kind of low. But I come in and I'm like the the ball is below the net around the midcourt, and I'm taking a big swing at it. Probably out. Yeah, you'd have to like, like it's just so hard to ball. from the midcourt to keep the ball in. Like you have to be able to grab it so hard. Like if there's any pace on that ball. The trajectory of where I'm hitting it from, which is going to be probably close to my ankles, to get that thing to dip in is just going to be not super possible unless you play with a uh, carbon. Right. Because, <laughs> yeah, 120 grit carbon. <laughs> it's well, all like carbon levels of sandpaper, carbon, sandpaper grit. All right. The other thing is I was curious about, and I'm, I'm kind of taking over here, but um, – Oh my gosh, what was it? I was so excited. It hit me and then the carbon thing threw me off because it was so Oh, funny. sorry. I got it. Oh. ruined it. Oh, dude. No, I had a... Uh... So you're talking about letting balls go. Um, different yeah, let drills. Balls and... go. 
Right. Oh, oh, that's it. I'm on the kitchen line. My partner and I are in the, my partner and the, you know, both left side, let's say I'm on the right. Both guys are battling. In, in, in volleyball, it's all about angles as well. Trajectory of the ball, the angles, and then I set my platform to like face the target, right? And so my upper body and lower body are like kind of like compartmentalized. But when these, these guys get into battles and you're kind of watching and sometimes you can kind of follow it and you know what I mean? You're kind of like following and shifting with your partner or you're staying, right? This is a fire not really right? involved yet. Yeah, and you're no. This is a, like a dink battle, and you're waiting, okay. right? I'm the right so side. So let's say, like let's, watching. Are they going cross cross? Yeah, let's say they're going backhand backhand from the left side, okay. right? They're dinking, yep. and I'm on the right, just waiting. Uh, some people I've noticed they kind of like shift and kind of almost keep this like five to six foot attachment to their partner, and they just kind of go with each other. And I'd say sometimes that's good, but then others I feel like maybe you, I just sometimes I just stay. I try to experiment with the, the teams that I'm playing, but. Let's say he decides to go to the person directly in front of them, so the other right sider, right? And they kind of have that ball where it, that middle is opened up. And I feel like I have two questions because here's what, here's what I think I should do and here's what's probably happening most of the time. Most of the time I see that that middle ball is open, that they're going to kind of go towards that back end. Um, Hold on, that, they're going to hit the middle ball they, or that you have the opportunity to hit the middle ball? I explain these so well. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Backhand dink battle, right? Left side yep. are backhand dinking each other, right? I'm on the right just waiting and watching. I'm yep. like, whatever. Then he decides instead of going, you know, cross. to the other cross, he's going to go middle. But I notice it's a little bit high, right? And that, that, that uh, person directly across has the opportunity to attack a ball. And most of the time they're going to go middle, right? Like that seam middle, like that yeah. two thirds. Now, I feel like instead of... Uh, because I have such long arms, I usually get into the point where I can get that. Instead of um, sliding along the line, I just took a step open like this and face them versus sliding and trying to be here and level and parallel with the court. What Got do it. you guys do? Do you just stay parallel or no, you is stay, that something like, that you would, would you think about doing? Like just open up the left foot and square up to them? Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't close my body. So you're basically saying, should you be open stance where your kind of toes are facing the kitchen line or should you get sideways basically, right? Yeah, I would say just like a 45 degree angle, right? Like I just open my left, I just shift my left foot so I can kind of face that other right side player as he's yeah. trying to expose the middle. Yeah, I, as much as possible, I would try to stay facing forward. Um, and if I, that ball's in the middle, all I'm doing, I'm keeping my feet kind of, I don't want to. I don't want to get my feet tangled to where I'm turning here at all. Like I'm keeping both my feet on the line as much as I can because that's going to help with my reach. Okay. And then I'm reaching here. I'm doing a lot of video examples for an audio podcast. I know, but right, but <laughs> uh, no. So so basically, stay square to the stay square to the kitchen. Like you want to you want to as much as possible use your reach, but you don't want to get your feet tangled and you don't want to turn too much because if you hit an attack, let's say you. You know, you reach in and you poke it. Um, the more turned here, like if you're kind of close to the middle of the court or facing that guy, you're going to be really susceptible to that guy going behind you if he does get a paddle on. Right. So you want to stay as square as you can to the kitchen and looking straight ahead as much as possible. Yeah, because I was just curious on like the technique to train there because if I, a lot of times if I do stay right along that line, I feel like I'm getting hit high sometimes, which I should probably let go out. But at the same time, I'm such a big dude that it's like probably different for me where I'm like, I'm just a moving target a lot of the time. So I'm like, all right, yeah. what puts me to a position where 
I'm like more offensively prepared to battle yeah. if they do speed up versus just like react to what they're hitting at me. Yeah, I think a good thing that everybody can go watch um, and like who does this well in men's specifically is, and he does it men's player, but does it really well in mixed because he moves so much is AJ Kohler. Like he does kind of like a crab walk along the kitchen line, but he's always square. He's always looking forward. Yeah. Right. And he's just reaching and going like everything's short and out in front. Uh, but the way he moves at the kitchen line is is solid. He's susceptible to lobs. So that's a, that, that's a little bit of an issue, but um, the way he moves and stays square with the kitchen is, is really good. And that'd be a good, person for people to watch if uh if they want to know what you're talking about here yeah he's got great hands where he's like super low and he just flicks it his forehand top spin is nasty yeah just kind of catches stuff out of the air yeah he's fun to watch that's a lot like how i stand actually very like duck beady almost like yeah but i'm not susceptible to lob because i can just stand up and hit it <laughs> god challenge accepted that's all everybody does is try to lob me i'm like yeah they want to lob the big guy i go I go Kareem Abdul-Jabbar hook shot. I'll do the turn yep. and then wrist away fade. I'll do whatever. Like, that's my favorite. You're probably there's, you're probably on the kitchen so much. I would call it kitchen every time I lobby. I'm just immediately calling kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> kitchen feet over. Oh my gosh. That's the best. Oh. I, that's, like when people call like, you hear this more like the amateurs, but like when people are calling kitchen on on like their opponent in a rec game like at like three five it's epic it's so good it's like why are you watching their feet watch the ball you get hit in the what face what are you doing exactly like you're looking at all the wrong things <laughs> yeah oh it's so good uh let's see what else is, i don't know there's so many things that happen i feel like i'm out of the loop too i we haven't done it in a while i'm like rusty i got so our boy tony oh. has a few things on here so i'll pop in some oh, things nice. um all right, so he's got USA Pickleball and new sanctioning formats, which we have. Uh, the note says no ref, and that oh, yeah. I guess that just that just means because um, it used to be where any sanctioned event by USA Pickleball, each match had to have a ref. Is that correct? I think so because any match I've played that was sanctioned, there were refs. Okay, so which is which is really tough on the which is really tough on a tournament to be able to find that many refs. So I'm, I'm guessing that was kind of the motivation is uh, making it easier for tournaments to, to have sanctioning without needing to, to find that many either volunteers or refs that you need to hire. So I think that's good. Uh, the other update is um, basically skinny singles, which I guess they're calling mini yeah. singles. Um, yeah, I saw that. Which is cool. I don't know, like, what's going to happen with that. Um, I think it's probably cool for people coming into the sport that don't have partners. Like if I was coming into the sport and I, you know, wanted to see like where I was at and I didn't have like anybody else to play with, like that would be a cool little format to do. Um, having it, having it be like an actual event. I don't know. seems a little weird. It's like not the actual sport. It's like a kind of a I feel like bootleg who led yeah. format isn't it weird That's exactly like, what it's... i felt like dude as soon as i found out i was talking to uh jude who i trained with a lot and i'm like bro i feel like this is just more excuse to get entry fees like yeah it's it's like yeah. a warm-up it's like a warm-up game that you're now turning into a tournament format and it doesn't have to be ref like you're basically just asking for an extra 125 bucks ahead and possibly one more day to add to where you're covering you're either making more money or covering other things that actually matter like 
Because uh, they have this, yeah, in, I they don't... have this, like they have cross-court games and different stuff in tennis as well. It's like you would never see like the USTA sanctioning uh, like a new format like like that. Yeah, like cross-court street ball version only. of pickleball. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, N one mixtape. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. It's kind of all these. Yeah. You got all these characters like the hot sauce, the helicopter, spider. <laughs> you can have like all these new spider. people. All these. He's the he's the single or uh, whatever skinny singles master. More ATP than any player ever. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, just, dude, isn't it? Like I've seen a, a lot weird... of like rumblings of people like wishing that there was like skinny singles format like on pickleball forum and different places. And I'm just like, it's a decent. It's a, on that? it's a decent yeah. training tool, right, for doubles. Um, right. Decent. It's not even good. Like you can develop really really bad habits playing skinny singles, going for middle balls that would never be there. Like attacking the middle yeah. when your partner would yeah. crush that in reality. Oh, yeah. That deep corner middle, you're like, gotcha. And yeah. you're like, that's the huh, worst shot game. ever. If there's a right side, he'll smash me with that. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> so, like, I would guess that the skinny singles players that are going to be good would not be good doubles players because all the skinny single player is going to be good at is hitting that middle shot. <laughs> that's literally it, which yeah. would get crushed, get crushed in regular doubles. I feel like big singles is a better training tool for me because it makes me forces me to get a really good backhand drop because it's yep. the return there. So yep. I feel like I get way more reps with my backhand. Uh, I, it actually makes me hold uh, my like stance longer and and wait to hit the ball because if they lean at all, like I feel like I'm getting better visuals on how to yep. attack right and passing shots. I feel like I mean that that helps almost more than anything. And no, I agree. A similar I thing. I think beach. training sing training singles is really uh, is really useful. Like you hit one, you're like freed up to move a bit more. Then you like you feel pretty stationary in doubles a lot of the time, right? So you're freed up to move a little yeah. bit more. It actually makes you have better footwork, in my opinion. Um, and then you're hitting, you're still having to hit good drops and good drives, just like you would in doubles. And you see the court a little differently, right? Like you're like, oh, I can try to drop this here. Like all of it's relevant and good training for doubles. So 100% agree. I think I think singles. Yeah. It, Wears you out. It's a little bit more rough on the body, all that stuff. But in terms of like the shot making and the footwork, I think singles is a better training tool than uh, this new USA Pickleball sanctioning sanctioned format of mini singles. <laughs> mini singles. Give me the money. I might. Give me the money. Seriously, if there's prize money, I'll take it. But yeah, they're just like, yeah, we'll take registrations, hundred twenty five dollars, and here's exactly. your shirt. You're like, really? Come on, dude. Hey, 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 come you on. get a medal. You get a plastic medal, too. Come on. <laughs> All right, so that's yeah, USA Pickleball san new sanctioning formats. Uh, this was an interesting one. He has Carbon, newest statement, May 13th. Uh, we'll pass that one. I don't really know what's happening. I think Carbon's um, – I think they're going to take care of their customers, which is which is important. Um, and I'm sure they're working through getting, getting the paddle approved. Um, I think any of these companies that are trying to ride that fine line of legal and illegal in terms of grit and surface roughness and all that, it's inevitable. Like these manufacturers, unless you have like crazy quality control in-house where you can test your individual batches with the specific, you know, machines that you need, it's going to be really hard to get consistency from a supplier in China, which most of these, this is, that's where most of these companies get their paddles from. So yeah. I almost think like, yeah, just lower the baseline a little bit. You know, I think the roughness test is like the 40, a 40 limit across a bunch of different areas. 
take it to like 37, a consistent 37. So even if you're over a bit, like you have room, but yeah. um, yeah. Yeah. So anyways, that's carbon. Uh, PPA paddle testing is on here. And he said, pay special attention to the last two paragraphs. So I'm going to open this up and actually give us a little read if that's okay. Okay. All right. Last two paragraphs. This is what we got. If a paddle is challenged and test is compliant, the challenging player faces a testing fee of $250, which the PPA has the right to deduct from any applicable appearance, applicable, applicable, good, 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 speak, <laughs> appearance fees or prize money. In the absence of these deductions, the testing fee must be paid to the PPA within 10 days, not 10 business days, 10 days of test administration. Players will not be charged a fee for challenges that are correct. If a player has three unsuccessful challenges during any 180-day rolling period, such player will be suspended from the PPA indefinitely at the PPA's sole discretion. What? Did you catch any of that? Like, you, you... How is so, it that the player is in trouble for this when the paddle has been given to him? Well, it's not even that. So this is the way I'm reading this. If a player has three unsuccessful challenges, does that mean it's written a little weird? So, okay, let me read this again. Tell me if I'm comprehending this wrong. Reading comprehension is not my best. If a player has three unsuccessful challenges during any 180-day rolling period, such player will be suspended from the PPA indefinitely at the PPA's sole discretion. Sorry. So okay, the first, the first, the way I read that first was the challenge comes from the challenging player, right? Like if I'm playing you and I want to, and I'm challenging your paddle, yeah. let's say you're playing with whatever. Um, the way I'm reading that is if I challenge you, I'm, I get denied. That's an unsuccessful challenge for me, right? That's, That's what it I sounds like. So yeah. if I if I challenge if I play a final three different times with somebody and I'm like that paddle is doing ridiculous stuff challenge here's my 250 bucks by the way unsuccessful. That's one unsuccessful challenge. Do it again. Here's 250 bucks unsuccessful challenge. That's two. Here's 250 more dollars. That's 750 dollars I've given to you unsuccessful challenge because I thought that paddle was doing stuff it shouldn't do. So not only am I out 750 bucks, but I am suspended from the tour for six months. <laughs> that like, did you it's read gotta that be the, the other way, way around? I, I, I would like think so to too. The guy. Yeah. the guy that had the illegal paddle, but the way it reads is yeah. if you have, if a player has three unsuccessful challenges, an unsuccessful challenge would be me challenging you. And it comes back as the result unsuccessful. Like the, the result was fine. Dude, right? If I wait That's long how I read it. All the players will be suspended for six months, and I might <laughs> win a medal because I'm the only one left. <laughs> Rob, I'm yes. gonna sign up with you. We're gonna get gold because everyone else is suspended. <laughs> you know what else is like another noteworthy thing that I find in this, um, in this paragraph, <laughs> is that the testing fee must be paid to the PPA within ten days of test administration. Do you know what my thoughts are on this, Casey? It has to be tested within 10 days. No, 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 no. Uh, the, the testing fee, the $250 must be paid within, uh, must be paid within 10 days of the test <laughs> being administered. 
I have no idea. How are you? We all just, we all we all read the uh, we all read the or maybe we didn't all read it, but the Sports Illustrated article highlighted um, highlighted something in there about a player requesting four hundred dollars that was owed to them, and I don't know how long it was, but it was a long time. So, yes. like, and I know I know tons of stories about players not being paid and waiting for months on end um, yeah. for their for their money, yet the PPA has the gall to demand payment within 10 days. I'd like payment within 10 days. That'd be nice. Yeah. So that should I just be thought... a full player. Yeah, that's, that's fine. But the players have to be paid within 10 days as well, no matter what yeah. paddles or not just prize money in general should be paid within 10 days. Yeah. I just, I just don't think it should also be up to the player to, to put the 250 bucks down. Look, you're going to have these machines on hand on site. If you play the finals, just test them. Just test yeah. them. Like, yeah. be be the regu- be the regulatory body of the tournament and test the paddles. Don't request 250 bucks from the players because I think that he had an illegal paddle. Just test everybody's That's, paddle. Yeah, exactly, exactly. My buddy Denver, who I play with, he's a NCAA Division One like uh, umpire for baseball, and he's like, in baseball, they test it, you know, they test it before the game. And then they put a sticker on them and only the bats with stickers are allowed to be used. If yep. you don't have it, you can't use it. You know what I mean? So it's already done. It shouldn't have to be like, all right, here's a sticker. Right. And they're, they, they do something where they might even do it daily where it's like, oh, it changes. And so you, there's gotta be a way for us to mark them. And then that's, that's it. There's, there has to be a way where they can't like, you know, switch it out for a, a different one. There's gotta be something that they can do. Or they like a hold little stamp them. or something. Take, like a little, a little stamp. Yeah. Boom. Something. Yeah, right? Like, like P- a stamp PPA, Atlanta, actual... PPA Atlanta Open. Stamp. You've got it. I don't mind. Put some color on my thing. That's fine. I don't care. Yeah, whatever. Um, just so that I don't have to worry about losing 250 bucks because some dude just destroyed me and there's no way his paddle's legal, but I'm not sure because it's my third strike. So I don't want to like be banned for six months, but I'm pretty positive that dude was using an illegal <laughs> paddle. Like that whole world would be so such a nightmare. Dude, and this so just lame. like why extract two hundred fifty bucks from players when, um, you know, the article I wrote about cost of going pro, like like there's this, there's not crazy money in the sport. Like players are not rich. Yeah, players right. don't have two hundred fifty bucks to throw at a challenge. What are we doing? Just you have the machine. Right. Just test it. Right. Along with why don't you use your USA or whatever approval system that you approve? There has to be some sort of additional regulations between the brand that's approving them ongoing nonstop, right? Like, all right, we approved this paddle and now we're going to go make a million, but never check those million. It should be like, Hey, every batch of a thousand has to come through this product. Like there has to be something. Or if everybody, yeah. like you said, everybody's got the little thing at each event. Like for us, the quarterfinals on everyone's drug tested randomly. Yeah. One of the two has to be drug tested. It's like every paddle should be tested from that. A certain point on they should be tested. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. I think, Testing the metal, the metalists, and the metal round paddles is simple. Regardless, moving on. Uh, enough of that. <laughs> Don't really want to talk about results. That's you know classic. Nobody really wants to hear anyways because yeah. people already know. Unless there's, something, unless there's something noteworthy, which, um, like the men, the men's final was was pretty epic. Um, you had Matt and Riley take down uh, Ben and Colin. 
thought they were going to close out in four. They were up nine nothing. Ben and Colin come back to take that game. I think most of the people watching that match with those guys going into the fifth game would have put, you know, the winning percentage of Ben and Colin at probably 85% plus after such a letdown in game four, right? You're up nine, nothing. Yeah. Um, and you've been so close so many times and these guys have a mental edge over you and you blow that lead where you thought for sure, this is it. We're going to win this in four. Yeah. And you lose that game. Right. And then you go into the fifth and like, honestly, I thought no chance. Right. But they, they, a very strong effort, Matt and Riley to, to take it in five. Uh, so big props to those guys. Um, Riley double gold got, uh, got the mixed title with, uh, with Catherine. Um, kind of noteworthy yeah, on that. that. On that has been an Anna Lee did not medal. Not only lost for the first time this year, but lost twice. Um, and an interesting men's single singles final. Sorry, I don't. I'm not. I just said no results, and now I'm going into all of it. Last one. <laughs> men's single final, singles final. Uh, you had Federico Stockstrud. 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 I don't know. I don't uh, know how to say it. Actually, yeah, say I it. Uh, played Rafa Hewitt, which wild to see actually rafa rafa's been around a while and like it's not like he's had this steady ascent of like of really of results that are progressing like he's played better this year for sure in singles just based on his results but um it's just been interesting to see him get some of these results and i'm just i haven't seen him play singles in a while and he's staying back a lot which is a little unique not winning most of those points but um great passing shots uh, that game went to five games as well, um, and Fed Fed took it over Rafa. And got to talk about this: the semifinal with Johnson Cola and Rafa Hewitt. I don't know if you, did you see anything about this. I didn't see what happened with that. Oh wait, okay. boy, was it? Yes, the Sincola did it like John. He did a, John posted something. John posted. Yeah, something. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he posted like a picture of like the out call, um, which it looked like his ball was on the, the line, and Rafa Rafa called it out, and he's like you know, demanding reform and like what needs to be done here and, and, yeah. all, and all this stuff. And yeah, I don't know what the answer is in terms of, you know, penalties for overrules and stuff. I think, I think penalizing players for overrules is tough um, with the current setup just because the refs have such a hard time seeing the lines. Like they're watching the kitchen line. It's really hard for them to also see the, you know, the yeah. ball where like where the ball is landing. Um, so don't know I don't think there's an easy answer to this. And I don't think it's a massive issue in the men's game. Um there's yeah, I, I you know, there's there's more questionable calls in the women's game in my opinion. But I think on the on the men's side, everybody's super fair most of the time and try to make the calls as best yeah. as they can. But at the same time when when prize money increases and this sport is going to another level like there has to be a better solution. Like we're calling our own lines yeah. like this. It's pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. For money. A lot of these. <laughs> and that the photo, the photo of that ball he hit, in my opinion, looks so in. Yeah. It's like blatantly in. So I, I could see the frustration, especially when you've got immediate proof off like some sort of recording where you're like, yeah, we've done the same thing. Well, we'll go back and watch like a slow-mo, like a world champs. And you're like, oh my gosh, that was match point. And he didn't call his touch and it just exploded off his hand and we all watched it in slow motion and it was on the jumbotron, but somehow they can't like switch the call. And you're like, there's gotta be something different. There's gotta be, we have yeah, Hawkeye as after the quarters, we have Hawkeye. So it's like, yeah. that solves a, a lot of the problems for the lines and stuff like that. But at the same time, 
you don't get everything like this hand touch, all that kind of stuff. So it's like, there has to be a, a, a version that's better. That's not as expensive as Hawkeye that, you know, we go back to this topic so much, but it's like, there has to be. Well, cameras on the lines, cameras got... on the lines is an easy, like you have, you know, cameras on both sidelines, cameras on both yeah. baselines. That's all you need. Uh, but I guess, so they didn't do a video challenge because I guess don't have them in the semifinals which oh, okay. I think if you have a match on the championship court, like you should have a video replay every time because the court yeah. should be set up with the, with the correct, That's what we have. The correct yeah. cameras. Exactly. Yeah. So that, that shouldn't happen in my opinion, especially, you know, for both those guys getting to championship Sunday of a, of a PPA major is a big deal. So like to have that much on the line and I'm sure the prize money was a big, uh, was a big difference. And like, if you got to finals versus if you're playing for, if you're playing for bronze, so, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it seems like an easy fix. It's just little small things like this. Give them video replay. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or even, yeah, I think that it's, it can't be that difficult, especially if, if you're playing a semifinal match, shouldn't it just be on the main court anyways? Like It was on the main, it was not... on the main court. Oh, okay. But I guess okay. I just don't know why they didn't, I don't, maybe he didn't have a timeout. I don't know why they don't do video replay. Maybe they do do video replay on the semifinals. I don't know for sure, but there's a reason he didn't use it or didn't have it or didn't couldn't do it. I can't tell you how many times I've had that scenario go the opposite way of what I wanted though. It was like blatantly obvious. It was just like, all right, well, moving on. Like it just happens. And so, yeah, I could get better, but at the same time, dude, it's, it happens so much more than, than it ever goes positively for me. <laughs> so I just let it go. I'm like, ah, all right, there it goes. 10 grand, but whatever, like, uh, there's no, uh, there's no way of me like being able to fix it. It's just gotta be changed hopefully internally. Yeah. It's a bummer. Yeah. I think this was a good chat. Oh, it was a good, a good uh, day one back into it. Got, got the juices flowing again. Got them flowing, but I think I want to leave it there. Um, I think I'm just tired. So time difference, six hours from Hawaii to here. Didn't sleep very much last night. Woke up early for the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, I guess a few announcements before we let it before we let you go. Uh, New York City Open this weekend, 125k uh, at Billie Jean King Tennis Center in Flushing Meadows. Epic venue. It should be like just seeing pictures of. I haven't been over there yet, but seeing pictures of the courts. Um, nice little stand set up. It's gonna be cool. And um, so you have that this weekend. You have the MLP Draft Reveal Show Saturday night. Saturday night, um, which will. Yeah, it'll show all the 48 picks for the for the men and women for MLP, which is happening next weekend in Austin. Um, so lots happening. I'll go straight from here, so probably so Sunday or Monday to Austin, and then spend the week there and um, play MLP. Hopefully, I get drafted. Right? Please pick me. <laughs> please pick me. Please. Please. So that's well, what's upcoming. We'll see you in Austin. Fun. Maybe. 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 Yeah, I'm in New Orleans. I'm in Orlando now, training with gold medalist Phil Dahlhauser for a partner, playing in New Orleans for the weekend, and then after I might fly out. Come let's check do it, out. it. Let's let's yeah. do a live pod. We need a live pod. Yeah. And there's going to be Seriously. so many movers and shakers there where we can get some live pod in person. Yeah. Some folks. Seriously. And we need to record Nothing content. To make that today. happen. We have so much to do, Casey. Yeah. Oh. So much to do. So little time. I'm gonna have to. <laughs> Willy Wonka. Wait, reverse. Yes. So little to do. So much time. <laughs> so good. Check that. Reverse that. Right. So good.
Sick. All right, man. All right. See you, dude. Good chat. See you, everybody. Okay. Adios. Yeah.